Hi everybody, this is Mark Summers and I'm going to be talking to the great George Wendt. Now we discussed Cheers first season. I'm gonna put what I perceive to be quality programming on the air and leave it there until the audience finds it. Mm. And it was St. Elsewhere, Hill Street, Cheers, Family, you know, all those. Must see Thursday. Were, yeah. Getting recognized in public everywhere you go, people yell, hey Norm, okay? Yeah. And the art of improvisation with Second City. A very short-term goal, which is a blessing uh, for somebody as clueless as me. I just <laughs> wanted to be in Second City. Don't forget to like and subscribe to Mark Summers Unwraps. The anonymous thing. Some people, I used to have a person who I won't mention because you might know who he is. And we used to say when uh, we were at a restaurant and if you had to go to the restroom, he would swan through the restaurant going all through the tables hoping that somebody would stop him and recognize him. And he would be disappointed if somebody didn't. I, on the other hand, uh, go directly <laughs> to the table because I never got into this business to be recognized or to be, quote, you know, rich and famous. It just was a passion that I had. And so I don't think about that whole thing. And they say if, once you've been off television for three years, people stop recognizing you. Well, I haven't really done any uh, – you know, current TV for since COVID. And so I'm kind of at that stage where um out of sight, out of mind. And it's, it's a good point to be because um, you can kind of just walk around and nobody thinks twice about, you know, uh, do I have to have my hair perfect? Uh, should I be wearing better clothes than I have on? Should I take off my glasses? I'm very excited to uh, introduce our guest today. Why are you shaking your head already? <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Excitement, yeah. Well, you know, you said you're you're not Mr. Excitement, but um, you certainly the role that you've played uh, on television throughout the years, the one most notable would have to be Norm. But yeah. when I did the history, you and I must have crossed paths at some point because you were on a TV show called Alice, correct? Yeah. And I did the warm-ups on Alice. Oh, wow. Do you remember what the what the episode was? Yeah, uh, Monty something. My, uh, my character was Monty, who was created by Michael Tucci. Oh, my. And, you know, I think part of it was there was a writer's strike at the moment. Oh. Uh. And I think, you know, I was brand new in town, and uh, but they knew I was from Second City. And so I think they thought I was not in the guild. They knew that. Really? Well, the writer's guild. Oh, you weren't in the writer's guild. Okay, you, but you yeah, were in SAG-AFTRA also. A, yeah, yeah. And so I think they were hoping I would um, pitch in to uh, help punch up. No kidding. Yeah, because, uh, and I really didn't understand uh, the politics or anything going on. You know, I I probably would have been a little more, um, uh, you know, I, I probably wouldn't have uh, pitched in. But you did, so you ended up sort of writing and Oh, no, out. no, no. I mean, hardly anything. Hardly, not, you know, maybe just a notion or two. Interesting, uh, but uh, yeah, but I think, and I'm j maybe just projecting that that's why I was hired. Anyways, um, I think they were uh, hugely disappointed because Tucci, <laughs> you know, is a character that they loved and they it, it, they you know returned the character right, and uh, but he wasn't available. So uh, and then first thing it was I took um, I had to be on the roof of the building, uh, Mel's Diner, right, and I kind of uh, remember yeah. this now, yeah. And uh, it was kind of daunting because it was, uh, you know, I had to climb up a ladder and get up on a, you know, an actual roof. And uh, the, uh, the director, the first moment on the set, he goes, all right, go on up there. 
he just wanted to see if I could handle, you know, doing, I think it was one or two scenes up, up there. Up there, yeah. But and, you and I were much younger back then. We could have. Oh, sure. Phys- physically, <laughs> I could climb up there. But, uh, you know, it was, uh, you know, if you're afraid of heights, you know, which I am, um, you know, it's just kind of. Uh, a little daunting. Yeah. Who Was Mark Daniels directing? Do you remember? He was. Yeah, he Mark was Daniels. Director, yeah. That whole team on Alice was from the I Love Lucy days. I know. And it was so cool. So it, when I mentioned, you know, like maybe the, uh, that could help rewrite, I'm sitting in a room with- uh, Madeline Davis with, and Bob yeah, Carroll Jr. Bob and, <laughs> yeah, and uh, and uh, Linda, and uh, yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. Uh, when I'm, Mark Daniels directed I Love Lucy and God Knows What Other shows along the way. Sure. And when he passed away, um, I went to the funeral, and I walked in, and I looked down, and it said Danny Marcus, and I thought, oh my God, I'm in the wrong place. So I went to the- guy at the front. And I said, oh, I'm sorry, I think I'm at the wrong funeral. And they said, who are you looking for? And I said, Mark Daniels. And they said, this is him. Well, his name, his real name was Danny Marcus. But back when he started, they weren't hiring Jewish people to direct. So when he changed his name to Mark Daniels, he started to work. Wow. And I didn't know that because Mark Daniels used to throw the best Christmas parties in Los Angeles. Oh, that's great. And I used to go to those every year with big Christmas trees and lots of presents, not knowing that he was really a Jewish guy yeah, yeah. In, in disguise. And then you did uh, Soap, and I was yeah. the warm-up guy on Soap. What did you do on that? Oh, man. Um, I I played a, uh, a a diner, a short-order cook in a, in a diner. Um, and uh, a couple of the fellas uh, were in a brawl. Um, I want to say, uh, shoot, uh, I can't remember their names. Yeah, um, I'm gonna think uh, Dutch and somebody else. Oh, Dutch! Yes, he was a, that was yeah, a great character. Yeah, and uh, they and I broke up the fight, and that was pretty much it. But um, I remember uh, that in the the note session uh, between the uh, the dress rehearsal and and the uh, audience shoot, right? Um, <laughs> uh, the whole cast and crew is sitting around in a room. And Susan Harris is uh, giving notes. And I was, once again, I'd been in town, you know. Ten three, minutes, Three right? months, yeah. <laughs> and uh, she goes, uh, and blah, 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 you know, note, 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 note. And then she goes, and uh, the short order cook. Uh, and I'm like, <laughs> she goes, are, are you, is the short order cook here? go, yeah, that's, that's, <laughs> a, that's me. You know, like uh, I thought maybe it was going to get some kind of uh, – Strokes. I go, yeah, and she goes, yeah. Uh, stop mugging. <laughs> oh, really? I. I mean, it scarred me emotionally. <laughs> I uh, to this day, you know, like I, I've. It was a tough. Really set. tried to not mug. Yes. Yeah, that was that was a tough place to be. And there, Jay Sandrich was the director. Yes, who was the other you know massive guy before uh, James Burroughs was around. Sure, it was Mark Daniels oh, and I Jay Sandrich. So you've worked with all the biggies when you think about that, man. Yeah, That's... and uh, Walter Miller. Uh, oh man, you know, he was on everything. He all, was. all the variety shows. And hundred percent. Yeah. Oh my God. And Paul, his son. Uh, yeah, used to be a stage That's manager it. when I was working on the Mac Davis show, and mm-hmm. now he's gone on and done uh, great directing as well. He did SNL for years and years. That's right. Oh, yeah. And we'll talk about that. So let me ask you this question. Years ago, when I was a page at CBS, Rob Reiner walks out of the artist entrance getting ready to go to lunch, and the people are lined up to go to Price is Right. And as he walks out, they yell, 
hey, Meathead, hey, Meathead. <laughs> and he went nuts and said, my name is Rob Reiner and I'm an actor and Meathead is a character. And he just was going nuts. Yeah. Okay. Now I got to believe everywhere you go, people yell, hey, Norm. Okay. Yeah. Is that a good thing? Uh, well, it doesn't happen anymore. Really? Uh, well, not too much. Uh, you know, uh, actually, my little brother is uh, one of my brothers. Uh, he's 14 years younger than me. And uh, he looks way more like Norm than I do <laughs> at the moment, you know, uh, just old age and whatnot. Um, but uh, it doesn't happen as much. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. So let's go back. You're a Midwest guy. You're from Chicago, Illinois. Indeed. Uh, I grew up in Indianapolis. Southside, my friend. South <laughs> and and uh, we used to go, I was a huge uh, Chicago White Sox fan. And the first game I went to of a professional baseball team was in 1959. Uh, the White uh -huh. Sox uh, were playing the uh, Baltimore Orioles, okay? And uh, Gene Freeze was the third baseman uh, for the White Sox. And he made three errors that day and a crowd was going nuts. And the next day he hit a grand slam home run. And the scoreboard, for those of you who aren't aware, used to explode and fireworks and crazy things used to happen. And it went on for like 10 or 15 minutes, yeah. sort of compensating for the, for the day he had before. I was looking in my camera to find out uh, a picture uh, that I wanted to show you, but I couldn't find the darn thing. Uh, probably the most interesting, exciting player that I ever saw was a man by the name of Minnie Minoso. Yeah. Played, I think, five decades yeah. uh, in uh, the American League. Yeah. And when I got to meet him and take the picture, I was like, I, it was like meeting Obama or somebody. It was the coolest thing. Yeah. What were your, uh, were you a White Sox guy? Oh, yeah. Because it's divided. You're either a White Sox guy yeah. or a Cub guy. Well, I, I'm a South Sider. So, oh, so you had to be the White Sox. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's no, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've, I've actually, you know, done the odd promotional gig at Wrigley Field, you know, like uh, sing whatever Oh, yeah, take me you under know, the ball game yeah. or something, yeah. And, uh, you know, like my little nephews would call up and go, my world makes no sense. <laughs> what? It's a gig. Come on. It's like, you know, anyways. That's funny. Yeah. So I grew up uh, Louis Ash Aparicio, uh, Sherm Lawler, uh, yeah. Luke Appling, all those guys. Uh, did you follow, I mean, was it, what was the other one in the series? Was it 59? I want to 59. Yeah. And that's the only year uh, Minnie was back with Cleveland. It was yeah. weird. That was sad. Yeah. They wait all the time and then, and then that happens. Mm -hmm. And then I must've been a Bears fan. Yes, indeed. You know, I'm old enough that I was actually, a. I mean, I liked the Bears, Yeah, but I was a, a Cardinals fan because they were the South, South side team. They were. They played at Comiskey. Yeah. I didn't know that. That's interesting. Cargo Cardinals. Wow. And then they moved to, I guess, St. Louis, right? Yeah. Absolutely. Arizona. Wow. Yeah. So a family of nine. Yeah. Tell me about growing up in that family. Yeah, well, um, it it was, uh, I don't want to get, you know, maudlin, but it was, <laughs> you know, actually it was really more like seven because uh, a couple of the, uh, my siblings uh, had the uh, infant crib death. Oh, my. Thing. Yeah, so that's probably, uh, anyway, so there was, I was one of seven, basically. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And um, my wife is one of 10. Oh, is she really? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. So uh, Catholic, obviously. Yeah. W religious family? You know, my mom was. Uh, my dad didn't, you know, uh, he went through the motions, but uh, uh, yeah. What did your dad do for a living? He was, uh, started out in real estate and um, kind of morphed into uh, just investing, uh, you know, investments, managing his uh, investments. And your mom, as they used to say, was a homemaker? Yes didn't work, I'm assuming, other than no. taking care of seven no. kids and no. doing all that stuff. 
So uh, pretty normal uh, conservative Midwest family. Yeah. And tell me about you wanting to be in the entertainment industry. How did that go over? And how did it happen? Well, I only wanted to, okay, uh, so uh, I was really a completely unfocused, clueless, you know, uh, goof, goof <laughs> off kid. Um, you know, I wasn't trouble or anything, but, uh, you know, I, I, I had no goals or ambition or anything like that. And uh, then after college, I uh, I uh, had no idea what to do with my life. Talk a little bit about college. You went to Notre Dame. Yeah. And no. then something tells me you didn't last at Notre Dame. No. What happened? Um, <laughs> um, you know, uh, it was, I just didn't care about it. And, uh, you know, my dad was, uh, it was his you know, I was a legacy at Notre Dame. Oh, okay. Um, it was his alma mater, so I didn't. Uh, you know, I was a solid C student for the <laughs> for the first two years. Right. Then junior year, in my wisdom, I moved off campus because you know it was kind of the cool thing to do, and uh, I didn't think it through because I didn't have a car. Right. So. Um, you know, and it was a little too far to walk, especially in that weather. And, uh, you know, I would have had to hitchhike or take the bus, and I just wasn't up to it. I mean, I was just a brat. What can I tell you? So you got like a 0. 0.00 yeah, GPA is I what I read. I didn't go to any classes or take any exams. So uh, they threw you out. First semester, junior year, yeah. And how did your dad take that? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, looking back in in my wisdom— you know, it was probably like a separation thing, mm. you know, like, and I didn't have the, uh, the balls to, uh, do something significant, like burn my draft card or something. <laughs> I, uh, so instead I took the passive aggressive route and flunked out of my dad's alma mater. And what were you doing all day? Were you, were you, did you have Nothing. a job? Nothing. You were just hanging. You were watching TV just, and chilling. I, I, we didn't have a TV. No. Mm. I was like, you know. I don't know what I did. <laughs> Just kind of hung. Yeah. So you get out of there, but you ended up going to another college and graduating, correct? Indeed. I uh, I kicked around, uh, you know, uh, in Chicago for like a semester or two, and and uh, I was getting really harassed at home. Like, what are you gonna do with your life? You know, like um. So I thought, well, I gotta get out of here. <laughs> like, so uh, I thought, um, go back to college, right? And uh, uh, so I went to Ro uh, Rockhurst College in Kansas City, Missouri, uh, now Rockhurst University. They're, they're fancy now. Ah. Uh, yeah. It's a small Jesuit liberal arts college. In, and you were uh, majoring in what? Oh, uh, econ. I, and, you know, I didn't, I thought business was boring and, um, you know, history or something would have been too, you know, unfocused. So I thought, well, economics, even though it's a social science, it's separate from the business administration uh, sort of uh, curriculum. You know, it would be, it would have something to do with business. Right. I don't know. Had no idea. Yeah, I, really. I was just like most of us. I yeah. mean, you know, some people are born with a passion and some people are just trying to figure out what's going on. Yeah. So you graduate and then what happens? Uh, go home and once again, what are you going to do with your life, 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 life? <laughs> And I was just like, oh, God, 
please. And uh, I called uh, this one friend of mine and he said, hey, how's it going? And, you know, oh, you know, it's okay, but my parents are really up, you know, in my face about what I'm going to do. I, I don't care about anything. I don't want to do anything. I, I, I don't want to do a job that I hate. Of course. Um, that was one thing I got from college. Uh, it was, I think it was a, an ethics course or some philosophy course. Uh, Karl Marx's theory of uh, alienation. And, you know, I think in his scenario, it was uh, the workers being alienated from the means of production or something. But for me, it was like I didn't want to be alienated from, I didn't want to do a job I hated. Right. So I went, I, and, and so my friend goes, uh, well, look, uh, if you don't know what you want to do, uh, I know what you do. I'm like, what, what, what? Does he go to Europe? I go, what do you mean? He says, well, you just get a backpack and, uh, uh, you know. Travel. Uh, uh, Icelandic Airlines is. Uh, I remember. They were the uh, cheapest, like 99 bucks, right? 165 <laughs> from New York to Luxembourg City. I remember. And, uh, you know, uh, maybe get a year rail pass or something and just uh, just uh, go. And you can do that. And, yeah. And so. So you I did, did it. that? And did it. And did it. And uh, how long were you over there? For the better part of two years. Oh, my. Yeah. And what were you doing? Just going from city to city? Yeah. Sleeping on the side of the road, you know. Uh, Any lasting memories that you can tell oh, us about? Jesus. <laughs> yes. Uh, it's a lifetime of memories. Uh, you know, like I, uh, you know, I ran into uh, friends from Notre Dame. I, I was, I went by myself. Which and was that, gutsy when you yeah, think about it. Yeah, it was. And, you know, I nearly had a nervous breakdown. I flew to Af. Oh, pardon me. Flew to Athens from Chicago um, or wherever. Um, however, I wound up in Athens. I forget. Um, and, uh, you know, you couldn't even read the alphabet. No, you don't so, speak the language. You can't read the alphabet. Yeah, yeah. So, because, uh, you know, with my Latin and whatnot, <laughs> you know, I could, you know, figure out. Certain Some of the things. romance languages you could sort of read. Anyway, uh, so uh, and then I went to to uh, Italy, and uh, literally walking along the Tiber with a guy I met on the train, and uh, I, we see these uh, hippies and uh, two guys, and uh, we walk past each other. And uh, then they get about a half a block away, and one of them turns around, and he looks like Buffalo Bill. You know, he's got <laughs> long red hair and a long red goatee and fringed jacket like David Crosby or something. <laughs> and um, and he calls up, hey! And I go, yeah, I know you. I'm like, what do you mean? Uh, I don't think so. Yes, I do. And we start walking towards each other, and he goes, did you go to Notre Dame? I go, yeah. Did you used to drink at Nicola's? <laughs> yeah. I poured every beer you ever drank. It's like, uh, I go, Begley? And it was, yeah, it was this guy, Mike Begley. Um, and uh, he said, what are you doing? I said, I have no idea. Really? And uh, I said, what are you doing? He said, oh, we've got a van. We're going to Morocco, the slow way. And I was like, uh, we're looking for riders. And you want to come? And I'm like, yeah. yeah. Why not, right? Yeah. And, uh, well, meet us at American Express tomorrow and, well, you know, blah, blah. 
And uh, yeah, we went to Morocco the slow way, which is. And what was, I'm getting ready to go to Morocco, actually. How long were you there? Oh, geez, months. <laughs> yeah. And how do you, you know, did you get little jobs or how did you support yourself? No, we, uh, we, we didn't spend any money. No. No. So how'd we, you get food? How'd you eat? Uh, nicking lemons off people's trees oh and my. stuff and sleeping on the side of the road and, you know, taking the odd shower in a public bath, you know, once a week wow. or something. So uh, for two years you're doing this? Uh, well, yeah, I did come home, go back to Chicago for, uh, to work for my dad's office and, you know, get, uh, for like, I don't know, about three, four months. And then go back? Well, it was like, this is bullshit. I, I think, <laughs> I think I'll winter in Spain, you know, cause so. What are you uh, like 21 here now? Yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. So you went to Spain and hung out? Yeah. You know, just, yeah. So what was it that finally said, okay, I better start doing some grown up stuff and get a job and figure out what I want to do? Process of elimination is right. what I did. It was like, okay. What won't I hate? <laughs> Fireman, no, I'd hate that. Policeman, no, I'd hate that. Doctor, out of the question. Teacher, I'd hate that. Sales, I'd hate that. And uh, I thought, well, my sister had brought me to Second City when during college. During college? Yeah, one time. And I thought, I was blown away. I was just blown away. And I thought, wow, you know, if I could do that, um, you know, I might. I don't think I would hate that. And what I, was it that you saw that got you excited? And it you remember, just looked like uh, it just looked like five or six young men and women goofing off on stage, and I was pretty sure they got paid. And you figured <laughs> that like, must be a good gig, right? Yeah, like that. Uh, God, I bet I wouldn't hate that. Do you remember any of the performers? Yes. Who was it, there? Uh, at the, the first time I saw them, it was uh, whew, uh, Martin Harvey Friedberg, J.J. Barry, Murphy Dunn, um, 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 Ira Miller, Peter Boyle. Peter Boyle. No kidding. Yeah. Holy mackerel. Yeah. So, so this is, uh, I'm going to say, what, 1970? Uh, no, uh, before. It was when I was in college. It was like 68, maybe. 68. Okay. For those people listening who are not aware of Second City, explain to them exactly what that is. Second City is a nightclub, a cabaret. Uh, and um, it's uh, in Chicago. It started in 1959 as uh, they just decided to uh, devise their own shows, improvise. Uh, it was a group of uh, University of Chicago, uh, for the most part, intellectuals. I think that comes with the territory at UFC. And uh, they, Paul Sills and Bernard Sollins and uh, Howard Alk, Sheldon particular, you know, there's these guys just- Kind of started the whole thing. Yeah, they, they, it was basic storefront Chicago theater. You know, they, they converted a Chinese laundry into a, a little cabaret space. Right. And, uh, you know, it's been open for shit, like 70 years yeah. or something. 1959, yeah. Tell people who are some of the folks that they would oh, know. okay, kind of... well, um, you know, uh, Bill Murray, John Belushi, Harold Ramis- Brian Doyle Murray, Robert Klein, David Steinberg, uh, uh, Steve Carell, Tina Fey, Amy Poehler. It's insane, the amount of talent uh, that's come Stephen, out of that. Stephen Colbert, um, yeah, Jason Sudeikis. I didn't know uh, Jason went there. Yeah. I had no idea. Yeah. Second generation. See, when I came out here, it was the comedy store. I was, 
Improv always scared the living hell out of me. The few times I tried it, I sucked at it and realized this is not for me. I can write material and get up and do it. And I I became a regular at the comedy store in 76. Tell me about doing improv. Now, now the first time you decide to go to Second City, uh, you don't find out exactly what you want to find out, right? Don't they hand you a broom and and say, clean up the joint? Yeah, well, (laughs) yeah. It... uh, uh, I'd done the workshops with a, a woman named Josephine Forsberg, uh, and uh, after about six months of it, um, she said, you know, I think you uh, you might be ready for the children's show. And I was like, oh, my God, that's amazing. And uh, so it was Sundays at 2.30, a, a little kid show, an improv kid show, uh, play games and things like that. And uh, she said, uh, why don't you show up Sunday at 11.30? I go, oh, okay. And she said, uh, and I say, uh, well, isn't the show at 2.30? She goes, yeah, yeah, but just come at 11.30. So I'm ringing the doorbell at 11.30. <laughs> and, 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 and she finally comes downstairs, and and she's got a broom and a dustpan. And uh, uh, she said, here, uh, you need to... Uh, um, you know, clean up from the night before, which is, you know, it was disgusting. Yeah. It was a cabaret. Drinking and... Uh, oh, yeah. It was a, smoking back then. and Yeah. Was dirty ashtrays, every cigarette butts all over the floor. Um, Welcome to show yeah, business. Yeah, yeah. Uh, cocktail, empty cocktail. You know, I had to basically, uh, you know, tidy up the room for the little kids. And what did you think when she handed that to you and you thought, wow. I, I thought, okay. Uh, and she <laughs> said... Welcome to the theater. Ah. Yeah. So yeah. you did that, and then you did the theater thing uh, for the kids. Yeah. And then uh, there was an opening for the uh, touring company, and uh, I auditioned. Did not get in. Uh, got be- beat up in uh, a bar outside of uh, Comiskey Park uh, the night before. I I was not presenting a good look. <laughs> I, Swo- oh, drinking swollen, a little too much, maybe the swollen, night before. Swollen face. Oh my! No, yeah, we got beat. We jumped in a bar. Oh my! Uh, me and my friends. Weird. And so you get turned out because you don't look the yeah, part, yeah, so to yeah. speak. Yeah, yeah. And then, and then, uh, then a company came to. Uh, uh, oh, the touring company at the time uh, got booked in Cleveland, and uh, the local promoter in Cleveland convinced them to stay. So they needed an entire new touring company. And that time I got in. You got in. Yeah. And, and, and uh, when you go there six years. Yeah. And you go home and you tell your parents that. Oh, no, I didn't tell anybody. You didn't tell anybody. Oh, I didn't tell anybody about the workshops or anything. Why? I, I didn't want to hear about it later. I didn't want to. Oh, I thought you were going to be in Second City. What happened there? You know, I didn't say. Oh, my. I didn't share with anybody uh, where I was disappearing to on Tuesday nights. Um to this workshop. So what did uh, your parents think you were doing? I don't think they uh, cared particularly. <laughs> really? Uh, you know, I was out of the house. I was uh, just, I don't know what they thought. And um, you just didn't have, what, the confidence or didn't want to deal I, with I didn't the... want to deal with, um, if it didn't work out, like, uh, um, I didn't want to deal with sharing my dream with, because uh, I didn't care about show business. Uh, or a career in entertainment, let alone being on a, you know, one of the best sitcoms of all time. <clears throat> um, at a very short-term goal, which is a blessing. 
uh, for somebody as clueless as me. I just <laughs> wanted to be in Second City. That was it. No goals beyond that. No. Not, oh, my. Yeah. And what were they paying you when you did the first tour, so to speak? Uh, well, touring was uh, uh, 50 or 60 bucks a show. Uh, but and then, but nearly immediately, we, we got an equity. We all had to join equity. Right. And so uh, I forget what the scale was, 100, 165, maybe 175. Which you could live on back then. Here's the yeah. question I always wanted to know. How much of that was truly improv and how much of it was sort of, we've already done some of this stuff before? Yeah. Uh, um, in the touring company, it was almost entirely uh, scripted. That's what I thought. Yeah, yeah from yeah. Uh, previous. Uh, but it was c- cool because yeah. for me, uh, improv is not really my long suit. Uh, I was just thrilled to be doing, you know, stuff that I'd seen John Belushi do sure. or, or, you know, Billy Murray or Joe Flaherty, Harold Ramis. You know, these guys were gods to me. John Candy, you know, I was just getting to do all those uh, bits. Were you friends with all these guys? Well, eventually, yeah. you know, not, not then. I was just a geek in the audience, you know. Like <laughs> but a, but somebody, you became one of them. Somebody who was in the workshops, you know. And, um, so six years of this. Yeah. And then what makes you decide to come to Los Angeles? Well, <clears throat> I met my wife at Second City. She, we were in a company together, and um, she uh, got cast from Chicago got cast in a pilot, a comedy pilot that was shooting in L.A. And uh, so I stayed, oh, and we had two boys, you know, like uh, from her previous marriage. Mm -hmm. And so I stayed in Chicago working at Second City and looking after the boys. And she came to L.A. She she came to L.A. for uh, three weeks to shoot a pilot. And she came back and um, she started talking it up. Pilot didn't sell? Huh? No, the pilot didn't go. But But she liked L.A. And also, you know, she was being courted by uh, agents and managers and networks. Fresh face, good good performer, I'm sure. Yeah. And so uh, she said, I don't know. And I'd been there in Second City for six years at that point. And, you know, it becomes time to move on at a certain point. So I said, okay, let's go. You know, and so we So you come out here with no job. Uh, Actually, I... I waited until I had a job. Um, Doing what? Uh, a uh, um, a pilot for, uh, oh, it was NBC. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> and, oh, I left out a good part. Uh, what, my best friend in the workshops uh-huh. is Brandon Tartikoff. Really? When he was a junior exec at ABC I in had Chicago. No and he turned out to be one hell of a programmer at, uh, at yeah. the network and died way, way too young. Yeah. So, so what, did you find him out in California? No, he found me. He found um, you. Yeah. I mean, it was, uh, you know, uh, he, <laughs> he uh, offered me a development deal for NBC and I had this brand new agent and, and, uh, I was like, no, nah, I don't think, you know, like the agents were going, I don't know, man. Yeah, and then you're not available for anything else. And yeah. I'm like, really? It sounds like kind of a good thing. What, <laughs> they, what's a, what is the development? Well, they pay you so you don't do anything else, and they find something for you. And I was like, yeah, I don't know. So, you know, I listen to my agents, and I pass on this thing. And then Bernie Solins calls me, uh, Second City producer. Right. Uh, a few weeks later, he goes, 
I've got a writing project for you. I go, oh, what's up? And he goes, well, I want you and Tim Kazarinski and Mary Gross to do this pilot. Can you come to Chicago and, and we'll write it? And uh, and so I said, yeah, because I was out of work. And, you know, so... Uh, uh, and uh, then it dawned on me that uh, the 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 project that I'd passed on as an actor you're now I, writing. Now I'm now writing. <laughs> and uh, what's the know, show? What was the show? Uh, shoot, I can't remember. A the sitcom name of it. or a variety show? Or what was it? Oh, it was a sitcom. Yeah, yeah. So and, you're writing the show that you turned down. Yeah, and uh, we shot the pilot. It, it did not go. Yeah, what people don't realize is uh, 90% of the time that you come out here, the answer is no, or the thing you are pitching doesn't sell. Yeah. So, you know, the question people always ask me was, how did you make a living, you know? I I was a professional magician when I came out here, so I was working at the Magic Castle uh, to pay my bills, and then I became a regular at the comedy store. I I, I always felt good that I never took a job outside of show business. Not that there's anything wrong with working at uh, Macy's or being a waiter, but I just fortunately never had to do it. Yeah. Uh, I found one thing after another. So, so you write this thing, it doesn't go. How many years of uh, just mediocre work were you doing before the Cheers thing happened? Uh, two years, but well, you know, it wasn't bad. wasn't mediocre. It was, um, you know, Taxi and Soap and uh, Heart to Heart and so uh, would have been big shows. Uh, yeah, just mm-hmm. by going in and auditioning. Yeah. So there you go. You had no actual training other than. Uh, Second City. You didn't take acting classes, or did you? No. So it was just you being you, and and a, a certain type. Maybe they were looking for. Yeah. And yeah. then it's word of mouth. Once you do one, uh, one producer yeah. talks to another producer, and they ask for you. Yeah, and, and you know, I was really super lucky. Obviously, um, I mean, you know, so lucky that you know that entire touring company bailed in Cleveland, and you know, like that's how I got in, and then you know. And then Saturday Night Live hits, and uh, you know we we were golden. It was yeah, like, let's talk about that. Yeah, well, not you know it wasn't me so much. You know, I'm talking about the show itself, right. and everyone knew that the all you know the majority of the talent came Second from City. Second City. Of yeah. course. Yeah. So uh, when when you host Saturday Night Live, how mm. daunting was that? Were you scared? It's cool, but um, I enjoyed it. I, I, I really, it's quite a process. Uh, Explain it to me, because, you know, I, I've been to the show. Uh, I know uh, from behind the scenes, Dennis Miller's a friend of mine, and I've heard stories, but tell me your point of view as a guest star. Um, it's, uh, I mean, they take great care of you, you know. Uh, you get to vote on lots of stuff. and But, I mean, I've never seen... Anything quite like uh, Lauren Michaels between the dress rehearsal and the show that airs. Mm-hmm. Things live flip show. a lot. Oh my God! It's it's a master class in logistics and comedy and. So you, you do know. the dress rehearsal. Yeah. And uh, does it go longer than what we see on television? The, the dress does. It, the dress is probably two hours, and most of that is update. A weekend update. They uh, they just throw every joke, really, uh, that was ever pitched all week. They they, <laughs> they throw it up there. They yeah. throw it up there, and and then they see what works and what doesn't, and they cut accordingly. They keep it down to whatever it is, ten minutes maybe. Um, but it's probably like a twenty five minute update. 
<laughs> wow. And so you rehearse, what, three or four days before you go in Something and do like that? Something like that. Okay. Yeah. And yeah. are you memorizing things or are they on cards? Oh, no, it's all cute cards. It's all cards. Okay. Yeah. And so people have worked their asses off writing these sketches, think they're going to get on. You do the dress at what time? Um, eight, I want to say. Eight. So like from eight to 9.30, let's yeah. say. So from 9.30 to 11.30, two hours. Yeah. Tell me what happens. How do they decide what stays in, what goes away, and how does that work? So much of it is is feeling uh, uh, well i mean it, they try to do what works but so much of it is um logistics you know well mike 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 myers say uh he can't make that change he's got to swap out a wig he can't uh, get in this next sketch and uh, and then well how about the uh the plumber sketch and no that uh we cut that and and the the set they already shipped the set to new jersey <laughs> My God. Uh, you know, they have a warehouse or something in Jersey, you know. So when and, you go, when do you find out what's actually happening on the show at, at 11 o'clock? 11, no, 11.25 maybe. So are you uh, literally like pooping your pants at 11.25? Because yeah, you had to go out and do a monologue first. Yeah, and they're, the cue card guy, the writers are, are like dictating Writing. to the cue card guys right there on the spot. Oh, my. You know, and, and they're going five, four, <laughs> three. And the, the cue card guys are scribbling the last little bit that, you know, Smigel's, uh, you know, giving them. And, right. Oh, uh, my God. Yeah. And and Lauren is, is making all these decisions? Yeah. Man. Oh, he's- Never met the guy, but I've just heard amazing stories about him. It's, uh, it's truly, uh, the, you know, I, I hosted twice, and it, it's probably the, the most, uh, you know, impressive uh, hour. The entire- uh, Cast and writers and crews, they cram into a, a space about not much bigger than that, but about the same size as this. Really? Yeah, everyone's sitting on the floor on each other's laps. Oh, my. And uh, they, Lauren's at the desk and they just uh, roll up their sleeves and get her done. And go for it. And so tell me about these famous parties that happen after the show. Yeah, you know. <laughs> Do you <laughs> remember any of them? Not my cup of tea, really. <laughs> oh, um, no. Did, did you go to him? Oh, yeah, I went. But you just, know, you, you're not a guy that You cares sort of about. have to go. Yeah. Uh, but, and then sometimes there's an after, after party. Oh, my. I, I'd be too tired for that. Yeah. Uh, Interesting. Yeah. But what a great experience. So let, let's talk. See, um, I try and do amazing research before I have a guest. And I called two people who I know who worked with you. First one mm. was Tim Berry. Remember Tim Berry? Yes, of course. Tim Berry and I were pages at CBS Television City, and he had this great career. He was producing, directing. And, and I called him up and I said, I have George Went coming on the show. Do you have any great stories? And he said, <laughs> he said George is the nicest man oh, you'll ever meet. He shows up on time. He, he says, he was a great foosball player, is the <laughs> that he said to me. And I said, well, that's all you got? And he goes, he's just great. Uh, okay, great. So uh, I called Ken Levine. Ken Levine, writer on the show forever. Yeah. And I called him and he goes, the nicest guy you'll <laughs> ever meet. Hits his marks, knows his lines. Never a problem. I said, that's all you got? That's all you got. So everybody has nothing but great things to say about you, uh, which is fantastic to be in the industry as long as you've been in this business. Tell me about the audition process uh, and how Cheers happened. Uh, my agent calls and says, you know, these guys are doing the Cheers, and uh, they're, they're interested in bringing you in for a, for a guest thing, for a role, small role. It's small. I go, oh, okay. Uh, but you like them, right? They like you. You 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 remember them from Taxi, right? And I go, yeah. How small a 
is it? She goes, well, it's really, it's one line, honey. Um, actually, you know, it's, it's really one word. <laughs> Honestly, you weren't looking at it. It's one syllable. <laughs> what was it? Beer. Beer. <laughs> That's all you had to say. Yeah. Come. So did you walk in the way you always walked in and sit down and just say no, beer? No, no, no. Uh, it was uh, it was to be in the tag of the pilot, and uh, the tag, by the way, is after the show's over with, right before they go to the next uh, program. That's the tag, which is twenty seconds, right? Yeah. And it was Shelley had been hired, mm-hmm. uh, and it was I was her first customer. And it wasn't at the bar, it was at a table. And she comes up and she goes, hello, my name is Diane, I'll be your waitress tonight. Uh, well, I'm not really a waitress, I'm an academic. You see what happened, you know, and she blah, blah, blah. <laughs> yeah, she does, you know, so she does like a paragraph, a long paragraph. And then uh, she said, oh, I'm sorry, I should be taking your order, what can I get you? And I go, beer. <laughs> and she says, beer, perfect. And that was the end of the episode. And so the late, great uh, casting director, uh, Stephen Kolzak, uh, says to me, uh, you know, that's just really too small to audition with. Why Read this other one. And it was the character of George. Oh. And uh, so I go, uh, and he was uh, the norm, right? Mm-hmm. And um, so I read that, and then... Uh, they wind up offering me that, and uh, you know, like as I said, I wasn't available because this other gig, and uh, so it was both Paramount shows. So NBC tried to see if CBS would let me do both, and CBS said no. Really? And so I was like, oh man, that's too bad. Um, but I, I I thought Making the Grave was a good show. Sure. So I was, you know. Um, Dang, you know, and they said, "Well, why don't you just do the pilot on a guest basis, and then uh, we'll see." And that's uh, what I did. And then what happened was, uh, Making the Grade did not get picked up. And the day I heard that Making the Grade did not pick up, the the offer for a series regular came in for Cheers. Wow, that was very lucky. Great timing. Yeah. And and so um, first year on Cheers not not going well. It uh, was in like the bottom of all shows on television. But we won the Emmy for best comedy and turned things around. And Shelley won and best writing and best directing for Burroughs and yeah. Back when they would stick with shows that they liked. Well, at this point, was yes. Brandon there then? Brandon and Grant Tinker. So that was it. Was Tinker's first year. Wow. And Brandon's first year right there, because Brandon was with ABC before right. with Fred, uh, Silverman. Fred Silverman. And uh, Tinker had this mandate uh, from the shareholders to, you know, turn this around, because he was not, you know, NBC was last yep. for maybe a decade. Mm-hmm. And the cycle of uh, develop, pilot, you know, order and cancel was just, uh, you know, an annual thing. And he said, uh, I'm going to put what I perceive to be quality programming on the air and leave it there until the audience finds it. Mm. 
and it was St. Elsewhere, Hill Street, Cheers, Family, t- you know, all those. Must see Thursday. Were, yeah. You know, right place at the right time. Again, that's interesting. Grant Tinker was the nicest man. Oh, great. I, I had ever met. I was, uh, you know, in show business, you lie. And I was a page on uh, Newhart and on Mary Tyler Moore. And Lorenzo Music did the best warm-ups of any person in the in the world. Funny cat. He was a funny guy. And so I'm 21, 22 years old and had balls of uh, steel. And I went into his office and I said, you do the greatest warm-ups in the world. You know, I do warm-ups. He says, you do? What shows? Well, I'd never done a warm-up in my life. I lied. And he said, well, give me your number. Uh, if I can't do one, I'll give you a call. Yeah, you hear that all the time. Two weeks later, my phone rings and it's Lorenzo saying, uh, we're doing a pilot over here with Barnard Hughes. Uh, called Doc. I can't be there. Would you fill in for me? Well, of course you say yes, but now I'm going, what the hell do I do? And um, I was working the Magic Castle. Um, I brought magic. I did whatever I could do. I had no idea. I was scared out of my mind. And Ed Weinberger was making fun of me. He said, what do you do for a living? I said, I'm a page uh, at CBS. (laughs) And he goes, come on down. He starts mocking me and I'm going, oh, Jesus is going to suck. And I went out there and did God knows whatever I did. And when I got done, Grant Tinker comes down the stairway from the audience, puts his arms around me and says, that's the best warm-up I've ever seen in my entire life. Oh, and great. it opened up a career for the next six, seven years. I was the warm-up guy on Soap and Alice and Star Search and all that other kind of stuff. But he was one of those executives that was very kind. So you did every episode. You were one of the few people on the show. Yeah. You did, what, 275 episodes? Yeah. And uh, any of them stand out to you as your favorite? Where you were featured and... No, no. The ones I was featured, I, they, they, they always felt stupid to me. But, um, <laughs> really? The, the, yeah, you know, because I, I think the, the best, you know, versions were, uh, you know, a Sam and Diane story, obviously. And, um, you know, when Kirsty came on, it was, it was just a completely different show. Yeah. Because uh, <clears throat> it was originally envisioned uh, as a romantic comedy. Mm-hmm. And indeed it was. And uh, so I thought it was always best when Sam and Diane were uh, obviously the A story and then the B story could be, you know, like a Carla thing or a Norm thing or a, you know, Cliff thing or a Coach thing or whatever. Yeah, Coach, when when he passed away, you kind of wondered how that was going to change. And certainly they didn't drop a beat. Woody went in there and just sort of filled those shoes. And uh, it was it was pretty amazing. So the normisms, I've, I've written several of them down here uh, when you walked in and things were said like, hey, can I draw you a beer, Norm? And you said, no, I know what they look like. Just pour me one. What's shaking, Norm? All four cheeks and a couple of chins. Uh, beer, Norm? Have I gotten that predictable? I mean, any of these stand out to you at all? I, I just, they were all, you kind of waited for them in the show. Yeah. Uh, they, you know, all four cheeks and a couple of chins, that's a good <laughs> one. The gold standard is probably... Uh, Doggy dog world, and I'm wearing milk bone on. Uh, I've got that right here, yeah, <laughs> which and, is amazing. And and so that was like your your major line, which always killed, no matter what you said. People love that stuff. And what a great time! What a, what an amazing you know period of how many years was that show on? Eleven. Eleven. Yeah. Eleven years, and you got a lot of nominations for uh, a sporting actor and whatever. And yeah. and uh, so so you finish this. Uh, were you in Boston when they did that last show on the Tonight Show when yeah. things got out of hand? Yes. Explain that. So the deal was, I think Jay Leno was yeah. supposed to be live from the original Cheers in Boston. Yeah. And and did people just get drunk and lose it? What was the problem that night? The problem was uh, <clears throat> we we watched, it was a two-hour show. Two hours, live, and, correct? 
Oh no, no. the show was not. Oh, Jay was live. Yeah, Jay was live. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the uh, the Cheers the was a two-hour episode. Right. And uh, we're closed. Was the last line. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, you know, we we drank the whole time. You know, we were in a room together upstairs, and uh, just getting you know hammered. <laughs> and uh, then we uh, figure we'll just go on and no problem. And Jay, um, frankly, <laughs> uh, was very green on the yes, job. He, very he was, raw. He was within a few weeks of. Starting, I think he could have handled it better, maybe, mm. um, if he, you know, had his sea legs under him as a host. He had no idea. Um, but we were just bratty as could be, like, you know, shooting spitballs at each other and, <laughs> you know, laughing. Real growing up things. Eh? Yeah, you know, just like dumb, dumb, dumb. <laughs> and so that's, you know, it was just, just alcohol and, and inexperience. Uh, so you finish this amazing series yeah. uh, after 11 years, and uh, then you get a series of shows, but they don't last a whole hell of a long time, correct? Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I, yeah. You know, it's not easy. It's uh, not easy. People yeah. don't understand that. If, if people f- could figure out how to make a hit show. We'd all do it. Yes. They would do it all day long and- you know, it's it's what Even, time you're on, what you're up against, yeah, you know, all that kind of stuff. It's alchemy. Yeah. It is. And so uh, what goes through your mind after 11 years of that? And then you go, well, I keep getting all these opportunities, but for some reason, they're just not connecting. So what, as an actor, what do you, what do you feel? Um, yeah, you feel like, you know, you're letting people down or, you know, like your, your writers, your castmates, you know, you feel like, I don't, I don't know. Um. I never really uh, spent a lot of time thinking about it. No, I didn't, you know, because it's usually just, you know, well, I'll try, try something else, I guess. They're not buying this one. And you did, and you started to do theater. And I didn't yeah. realize that I saw you on Broadway uh, doing, uh, what was your show with Judd Hurst that I'm blanking on right now? Art. Art, yeah, yeah. which I loved. Yeah. And then you toured with Hairspray. Hairspray. Oh, I didn't tour, but... Uh, well, you did on Broadway, Broadway right? Yeah. I thought you toured as well, but... So you did uh, Broadway uh, as Edna, okay? Yeah. That role was exhausting. Did you enjoy doing it? Oh, yeah. It was, it was great fun. I mean, those two roles, Ivan in art and uh, Edna in Hairspray are, are just... They were just really, really fun. Uh, How long did you do the Broadway run? Uh, well, um, I did art... Uh, between London and New York for, you know, the better part of two years. And, um, and, uh, Hairspray, I did a little over a year. Oh, and then like, I didn't tour with it, quote unquote. Right. But I have played Edna in other venues. That's what I thought. Yeah. Uh, up in Canada, uh, twice in Canada, uh, once in Prince Edward Island, Charlottetown Festival, and once at uh, Rainbow Stage in Winnipeg. Were the audiences in uh, London totally different than the Broadway audiences when you did art? No, pretty much uh, the same. Pretty, pretty. You know that show was magic. Oh, so it, good, it's so just, good. It, I've never, never seen it not work. You know, seen various iterations, uh, casting wise, and um, it, uh, it just I've seen it played icy hot, or icy cold, and and super hot, and you know, it, it, even in between. It just is a lovely little piece. I love it. uh, It was so good. 
And uh, the best part of playing Edna, who was playing uh, the, the lead female role when you were doing it? Uh, Shannon Durig. Don't know her. Didn't see yeah, her. Yeah, she was a uh, replacement for Marissa Winoker. Ah. Yeah. Yeah, I saw her do it a couple of times. It just must have been a ball, but the energy. So you're doing eight shows a week, right? Oh, it was the happiest show in town. Yeah. It was just, I mean, it was, it was the fantastic. The music was great. And, uh, yeah. Oh. But those costume changes, was it tough to be in that fat suit and then? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's funny, you know, that when, when, when I first got there, or right beforehand, you know, they go, well, we're going to have to measure you for a fat suit. And I was like, have you seen pictures of me lately? I don't, <laughs> I don't think I, they said, oh no, no, you need a womanly, you know, you need a big old booty and you know, uh, so, uh, yeah, there was a, there was a fat suit and, um, you know, it, it, it uh, yeah, I just sat there, honestly, uh, you know, um, I showed up at half hour and, you know, they painted my face and, you know, the, see, you, you build up the look. You're really at a dowdy look to begin the At show. the beginning, you're a housewife and yeah, you're ironing. Yeah, and... you're just in a house dress and, you know, your hair is all ratty and crappy and, and then you get glammed up. But there is one ridiculous, uh, quick change. Um, it's, uh. I'm not a musician, but it's something like 16 bars of music. I had to swap shoes, jewelry, earrings, you know, uh, makeup, a wig swap. But there's people backstage doing all this it's, stuff. There were eight people working yeah. on me. And, and then, bang, you're on stage, right? You know, because in the middle of a song, yeah. you know, you, you go off to uh, get glammed up and you come back on. It's like. That's a great change. Who played your husband in uh, in that role? I was uh, kind of a slut. I had several husbands. <laughs> uh, Tom Rooney was the one for the most part, a Canadian fella. I'm trying to think of the guy who I first saw do it in the original cast, and uh, I have a mental blank. Oh, out. um, um, shoot, he was I'm, in Damn I'm Yankees too, too. And I'm, I'm, uh, I apologize, yeah. but uh, um, but he was he was really fun. It just it just uh, I saw uh, Bruce Valanche do it. Uh, I saw Harvey do it. It just was a fun show to go see. You yeah. Know? It was really amazing. So what's up in your life these days? Hmm. <laughs> uh, you know, it's been theater, uh, the odd TV project, uh, you know, the odd m movie, you know, but it's, it's kind of sparse, you yeah. know, uh, you know, it, which is fine. Yeah. Cause, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm old. <laughs> <laughs> We're all getting there. Yeah. What was your favorite role? Was it was it Cheers? Was it the Broadway stuff? Do you have a favorite? Was yeah. it all just good? Well, you know, Norm was definitely my favorite uh, role. Um, but uh, and the other two I just mentioned, Ivan in Art. I mean, that you know, uh, those other two guys. It's a three person. Explain. It was on Broadway a long time. Tell people what the uh, the theme of art was. Art was uh, three lifelong friends, middle-aged guys. Uh, one of them buys a uh, painting uh, that is completely white canvas, uh, and he, uh, he buys it for 350000 And... Um, the, the other the other snobby guy... Go, just cannot believe that you know he, would he was such a sucker <laughs> uh uh to buy this thing and uh i was in the middle between the two friends 
and um but it it um it just it was just so much fun i mean they just argued the whole show and every time i opened my mouth it was upper deck you know yeah it was just like i was just hitting home runs 500 foot homers (laughs) every every time time i opened my mouth and so it was just a joy you know like what a great character. Blah, 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 Me. Wow, huge, huge laugh. And uh, and then Edna, of course. Uh, Edna. <laughs> and also, you know, working in London was just such a blast. Um, and I did it with two different casts. Uh, I, I, it, we opened in London with uh, Stacey Keach and the late David Dukes. Oh, my. And... Uh, and then for some reason, oh, then they wanted us to do it on Broadway. and Because uh, I saw Judd do it. Yeah. Well, what happened was uh, Stacy and, uh, wasn't available or mm. something. So uh, they got Judd and then Joe Morton. Mm-hmm. And so I did it with them. And then we did Broadway for a while. And then they thought, well, let's bring these guys to London. And we are like, oh, yeah, okay. We had all the gear. You know, we had... Uh, Nice. You know, we just plug and play. We so we just went to London and did it. You know, for another. Did whatever. you have trouble memorizing lines? I'm getting ready to do a one man show, which I hadn't done in five years, mm. and I always have the hardest time. Do you have tricks that you use, or does it just come natural to you? It's not natural. You just got to work at it. Um, do you have a technique that you use? Not really. No. Just uh, somebody told me uh, Gary Collins. If you remember Gary, used to tell me to write it out. And then if you go up on your lines, you can kind of picture where the words are on the, on the page. And that's worked for me in the past. But I just, uh, as a, you know, as I'm in the seven O number now, uh, it's yeah. becoming more and more uh, difficult to do. Two more things. And I'll let you go. Uh, you were in an episode of Columbo. What was that experience like? It was just amazing. Peter, uh, Falk, such a great guy and, and such a, such a hard worker. I really? mean, he, oh my gosh, we didn't, the, there was not a moment, you know, because we had all these big scenes, you know, like uh, five, six, seven page scenes where he's cat and mouse, you know, where he's, you yeah. know, sort yeah, of. Excuse uh, me, one more thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. And, um, you know, I was a bad, bad guy. Uh, and, uh, you know, he, he, uh, he, whenever there was, any kind of downtime on the set. We were running lines, and, and uh, it was great. Nice. That must have been a great experience. Yeah, oh my gosh. And yeah. here's one that I didn't even realize, and I've seen this video a million times. The Michael Jackson video, uh, Black or White, you play the father on that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, did you, Were you in any scenes with him, or was it done separately without Michael? Uh, well, Michael was on board, you know, as... as uh, did he cast you? I don't know. I, I had no idea. I couldn't tell you. Yeah. Uh, John Landis directed oh, it. Oh, that's and, right. And, uh, you know, I'm sure Michael voted, whatever. Um, but, you know, it was, uh, you know, um, I've done some weird things for Landis. Um, you know, he, I think he, in that one, he shot me into space. Yeah, shot you in space in a chair. <laughs> yeah. And then you landed somewhere, you know, that was crazy. In Africa, I landed in Africa. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And so, certainly when you were shooting it, you had no idea it was going to be this explosive video that no you know premiered all over the world oh, yeah. simultaneously and uh, so did you meet michael oh yeah and what was that experience like uh, you know i was really expecting do you remember how um uh 
Fred Armisen and uh, Maya Rudolph would do like Prince. Yes. And it would always, Prince wouldn't speak. He would whisper <laughs> and Maya Rudolph's here. And it was a funny she would tra- translate. And uh, I thought it'd be something like that, you know, like uh, very remote. But he was just cordial and warm and very nice and regular and, and you know, arm around you and, you know, like, you know, just, you know, uh, very, you know, what can I say? Yeah, no, nothing but good things. For a guy from Chicago who had no idea what he wanted to do, been one hell of a career. Well, thanks. Yeah, I'm, I've been uh, blessed. You know, my my mother uh, had a, a convent of cloistered nuns uh, <laughs> praying for my career. Well, they apparently worked very hard and <laughs> and did a great job. Thank you for taking time to come and talk with us today. I know our listeners are going to be thrilled and uh, continued success and good health, sir. Thank you. Take care. Mark Summers Unwraps is a production of Believe Limited, created by me, Mark Summers, and Jessica Richmond. Produced by Keith Corneluk and Jessica Richmond. Executive produced by Patrick James Lynch and Ryan Geelan. Post-production support from Joshua Sterling Bragg and Believe Limited. Don't forget to subscribe or follow the show on your favorite podcast player. And if you really love it, why don't you leave us a rating and a review? Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on Mark Summers Unwraps.